Hello and welcome again, Broncos Country. I, as always, am your co-host Jared. I am joined again by my co-host Matt for your Denver Broncos pregame podcast. We really appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you guys are excited for this very winnable Houston Texans game in Mile High. Yes, there's a lot of issues revolving around Demarius Thomas coming to Denver after getting traded to Houston just mere days ago. So I hope you guys are looking forward to hearing what we have to say on that, as well as what we think the Denver Broncos need to do in order to defeat these Houston Texans in Mile High. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and we'll bring it in with the Mad Fanatic. All right, Matt, it's always great to be joined again by you. Been having a lot of fun this season as, as much as it's been kind of a downfall for the Broncos so far. We have a lot of season left to talk about, and I'm excited to talk about this upcoming game against a very beatable opponent in the Houston Texans. Yes. We have a lot to talk about. But let's start with whatever what's on everybody's mind before we get into the pregame prediction. I want to talk about this Demarius Thomas trade. Um, from kind of an outside-looking-in point of view, uh, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this Demarius Thomas trade? Uh, I think it's a good trade for both teams. I think that Texans needed um, a reliable receiver. Um, I think you know, given Will Fuller his injury and the depth at receiver that they have, I think that it's a really good pickup. Uh, I think Denver as well. They needed to just get some fresh legs at the receiver position. I think it's a perfect time for Cortland Sutton to come in and really take over that number two spot and hopefully become that number one receiver next year. Same with uh, Deshaun Hamilton. I think he's got a lot of potential, so that opens up a lot of opportunity for him. Um, Denver got you know a fair, fair pick, fair trade for this deal, and I think it was good for both sides. I really think it was a good trade. Kind of odd that it right, happened so- the week before they played the Texans, but you know, it's the way she goes. It is. It was just situational, I think. You were talking about how yeah. the Houston, you know, Will, Will Fuller going down. But you know, it's interesting to hear an outside-looking-in perspective because, you know, as, as Broncos fans, uh, especially if you've been a Broncos fan for a long time, I mean, he's been with us for nine years. Mm-hmm. We have some some of my greatest Broncos memories are of him when we beat the Steelers in overtime over the middle with, with uh, Tim Tebow. I mean, he was part of that Super Bowl 50-winning team. He, he's really brought us back into a couple of games in the past. And over the past couple of years, it seems like he's been dropping a lot more balls and just hasn't been all there. It sucks the way that it happened, I think. Yeah. But I think you're right. In the in the long run, it needed to happen. It was a it was a call that needed to happen. But the good news on that, from our standpoint, is that they did come out and say that he will be a Ring of Famer. Yeah, which, you know, which is good. I, I think is I think is you know the the biggest sign of respect from the Broncos organization saying, hey, we're doing this from a business practice, and everybody knows that. Yeah, but you are a Ring of Famer. You were here for nine years, and you really led us to a lot of great wins and Absolutely. great teams. So the, the respect is good. I like that. And aren't they doing like a, a celebration too at halftime during this game? I, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. I if, think they, I saw if that. they do some sort of yeah, they're probably going to do some sort of like you know goodbye, you know thanks yeah. for the memories, all this other stuff. Uh, you know, it, it is kind of interesting that he's he's going to the other side, and uh, we'll get into that a little bit about how much they're going to end up using him and and what mm. they're going to end up doing. But 
let, let's go ahead and, and roll into this game now that we're done talking about that. So we're playing a Houston Texans team who is on a five-game winning streak. Yeah. They're rolling hot coming into Denver. How do we think that's going to affect their gameplay and ours as we are on kind of a lower end of our of our uh, swing, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I like we're talking a bit off air, but I think that you know the Houston Texans on a five-game winning streak is something that nobody really saw coming. Like if we look at their division two, the they're five and three right now, which means five games ago they were o you know o and three. The Jaguars have right. lost four in a row. They used to be three and one. Now they're at the bottom of the division. So the, the Texans are slowly coming out of this very um, <clears throat> competitive this division. They've got two games up on every other team. Uh, so they're a lot better than I th- I think than you know I think that we think they are. Um, they're pretty talented. Deshaun Watson's finally getting you know his legs under him under a terrible offensive line. Um, but Broncos are they put up a really good game against the Chiefs. They were competitive until the end, and I think it's just a matter of finding that that little spark on the Broncos offense to take over and, and win this game. Because you're right, the Texans are very beatable. This winning streak is gonna it's gonna falter at some point. It can't sustain. You know they don't have that sort of uh, history of sustaining these big winning streaks. So I don't think it's anything really to be afraid of. And I think they're a very beatable team. Yeah. And and I think their biggest, their biggest downfall is going to be they're They're kind of riding this high and now they're coming into Denver. Let's remember, it's probably going to be decently cold in Denver this Sunday. Mm-hmm. They're coming into a Denver game in the cold coming from Houston um, against a team that is not, not doing very well this season, but we've also, if you look back on it, had a very tough schedule. I mean, some of these teams that we've played have been are doing very well right now. Obviously, we played the Rams, played Kansas City twice, but um, and and it's coming to a point the week before our bye week that these coaches and I, I feel like a broken record saying about this, but these coaches are on this hot seat where they know that their their jobs have been on the line for the last couple of weeks, and now it's right before a bye week, giving the management much more time. If you lose to a Houston Texan team and go down 3-6 going into the bye week, it's something different. So everybody in that locker room is feeling it. If you watched any oh, yeah. of the um, if you watched any of the, the post-practice press conferences from Thursday night, you saw Bill Musgraves get a little bit heated, you know, talking talking to the uh, to the media, and you, you could tell that his emotions are high his everybody's everybody in that locker room is feeling it and they feel that they need that win so i think that denver is going to need to ride that going against this hot uh, houston texans team oh definitely it's they, they need a spark they're desperate for a win um and right now after what the browns did this past week of getting rid of uh of their their head coach and their oc i think you know the, the ice has been broken in terms of coach firing yep. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I see that when that starts to happen in the league, other teams aren't afraid to uh, to pull the trigger on their coaches. So I think, you know, there's even more pressure now for Vance Joseph and, and his crew to win this game. Yeah, well, it takes the pressure off and it takes the the media attention off of one team. Yeah. And now if multiple teams are doing it, it's more it's less of an impact to uh, to the actual team play as it would be as if it was if you're the only team doing it if you're the first ones doing it it's a, it's a media shitstorm that you don't want yeah absolutely and you know what the the issue too though is is once you fire your coach you're pretty much giving up your any hopes really of making it to uh, to the playoffs because that's sort of a way of saying we're rebooting the team and right. no team with a new coach midway through the year is going to make it to the playoffs that's you know right. I, I don't i don't know if that's ever happened um <clears throat> maybe other than a time when um 
when um, Bruce Arians took over for the Colts after uh, the, their coach had had gone through the cancer treatment. But that's different. It's not a firing that or rebooting. It's, there's an em- emotional element there. So a firing and a reboot going to the playoffs, I don't think it's going to happen. So if the Broncos were to do a move like that, it'd be pretty much like conceding the season, which I don't see Elway doing. I think they're going to stay competitive until the last game, um, unless there's a situation of <clears throat> you know mathematical impossibility to make it to the playoffs but until that moment happens i don't see them really making a huge head coach change because that would just you know crush the season and i don't see that car that culture in, in denver at all no and and, and I've, I've mentioned it since the beginning urban's been calling for vance just to get fired and i've i've been saying it until we are until we are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs i don't think that's going to yeah. happen and even then i don't even know if it's going to happen he's going to let it ride out to the end of the season and just reboot during the off season but that that's something yeah. to be seen Absolutely. There's a lot that has to happen before, you know, that moment gets there. So yeah. we can't sweat on that just yet. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk, let's talk about this Houston game. Let's talk about the Houston Texans offense and, and what they've been able to do and uh, how, and obviously big, big button product is Deshaun Watson going to get the ball to Demarius Thomas only having four or five days of practice this week. Uh, I, you know, I think it's going to be easy passes. I don't think Demaris Thomas is going to play a whole lot in this game because, you know, there's a lot that he doesn't know. But it's easy to slip in a receiver and say, you know, line up between the numbers and the hash and run a go. Right. You know, I, you know, there's probably going to be situations like that where they're going to use him as, you know, a, a body to take up a defender just because he doesn't know the whole system yet. But I would not be surprised to see him just, you know, get open on a deep ball and Watson connecting with him. Watson's a pretty accurate guy. He's got 64% completion uh, this year, um, and he's been sacked 26 times. So he's constantly under pressure, and he's got a pretty yes. good co- completion pre- percentage. So, you know, I could see him get a few balls, but I don't think he's going to be a focal point of this game, not at this point in the season. Well, and you and you mentioned it too. He, I mean, he's under pressure a lot, but he's got a high percentage of completions, and I think I think that's because he's throwing those quick passes. He he, yeah. you don't you don't see the Deshaun Watson that we saw last year, where he's throwing those big bombs down the. Obviously, with Will Fuller hurt now, but you know the big Deshaun, the the Hopkins throws, the Fuller throws down oh, yeah. the field, the big the big plays. You haven't seen him as much this year because I think they're rebuilding that offensive line, trying to get that that fixed up. So I think you're right. And the other thing I want to mention too with this short week with Demarius Thomas is they are a huddle team. They're not a they're not a high op tempo team for the most part. So that yeah. definitely helps Demarius Thomas get in there because they can tell him exactly what they need to do inside yeah. the huddle as opposed to trying to call it from without knowing the audibles and stuff. So I definitely expect them to not run any no huddle unless they absolutely need to on like a two minute drill and yeah. and try to get Demarius and make make Demarius play pretty much the entire game because I mean their backups they're. They're following receivers after that are no-namers. I think that's what they might use Demarius as well. If anything, as a distraction for DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, line him up in the end zone. Let him go uh, catch that back corner fade. Like, he's done it forever, so he can definitely do it in this game, right? right. Give him the chance. You know, just given his body type. Kiki Kuta, yeah, this guy's been up and coming a little bit, but he hasn't uh, produced a whole lot. He's got one touchdown, right. uh, 30 targets, 21 catches. You know, it's 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 a good backup role. Yeah. I think with Will Fuller gone, I think he's going to have a, a much larger role. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think eventually Demaris Thomas might uh, over, you know, he, he might pass him in the depth chart. Kutu still, uh, sorry, Kuti. Is still a rookie, so. Yeah, well, and he is. And he's another one of those rookies that came out of the fourth round, uh, a Texas Tech guy. That uh, is playing very well. Yeah. I mean, he's he's got 21 receptions for 196 yards and a touchdown. And and without Demarius Thomas coming in before the trade, after Will Fuller gets hurt, he's a number two receiver on that team. 
I mean, he's they, they don't have huge oh, numbers. Yeah. Don, uh, the Hopkins has is over half of their completions without Will Fuller. Like, by far. Yep. I mean, he's getting pretty much every look without Will Fuller. And Will Fuller's only got 32. So it's a receiving core that is, A, now injured, and B, brand new. So you have this rookie in Demarius Thomas, which I guess we had kind of the same thing with, you know, Cortland Sutton uh, and Demarius Thomas. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, very same situation almost. I feel like he's just going from one situation where it's like uh, uh, two senior guys and a, and a rookie, and now he's going to another guy where now he's a second senior guy and a rookie. So it's it's going to be an interesting situation yeah. to watch him play out there. It definitely will be. And, you know, I think the thing with the Texans, though, is just that offensive line. They're just so poor. Like, uh, Watson is the second most sack QB in the league after uh, Eli Manning. And so, you know, like the the opportunity for the Broncos to get in the backfield and to pressure Watson are going to be just, you know, everywhere during the game. Every single play, there'll be some sort of opportunity, just given this track record he's had. So, you know, they're they're going to be able to rattle Watson a bit. I think that's what sort of limits all his his big plays this year and the way he's distributing the ball. Because there's only really Hopkins, Fuller, and Kuti getting the majority of the passes. After that, it's pretty sparse. So if, right. if, you know, Fuller's out already, there's new receivers in, I think, you know, Watson might be a little bit rattled in that pocket. He won't really know who to throw it to since, you know, Hopkins is going to demand double coverage and, the, you know, Chubb and, and Von Miller are going to be coming fast at him. So yeah. it'll be an interesting matchup. But we also have to remember Deshaun Watson is, you know, with, with the Broncos defense, Deshaun Watson is a runner. I mean, he has 44 rushes this year. Yeah. Uh, he has a touchdown. Very true. Um, but the other the other important part on that stat line is he also has two fumbles lost. So are we going to mm-hmm. see, you know, strip sack Miller come back? Are we going to see him come and get a strip sack from him? That's something to be seen. But something that we have not done very well with is is those scrambling quarterbacks. And you saw it with Patrick Mahomes, right? And he wasn't even like a full scrambling quarterback. He just knew how to get out of the pocket when he needed to. So we need to be very careful about keeping him contained and making sure that we chase him down, which I think I think we could do a pretty good job of. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, Deshaun Watson, he was just immaculate before his injury last year. And that was really heartbreaking because he's he's an exciting quarterback to watch. Um, And I think he's got a really bright future, but they need to get a better offensive line. And I think that the Broncos have a better defensive line than what the the Texans have on offense. So I think that, you know, the advantage there is to the Broncos defense. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now uh, let's go over to the Broncos' offensive side. You flip the field a little bit. We talked about the Denver defense, but let's talk about the Broncos' offense. So Case Keenum is now 500 in the touchdown-interception ratio, which he hasn't been all year, so that's good. But he also still holds the record for the only quarterback in the NFL to throw an interception every game this season, and that is impressive and impressively bad. Is is there any is there any yeah. chance he breaks that record? Is there any chance that he finds figures it out and just doesn't throw an interception for a while? Um, that's tough. Like the 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 Texans defense have got seven interceptions, uh, but the thing I look at is there's a lot of sacks here too. There's 21 sacks with you know JJ Watt, Jadavian Clowney. So I you know I I'm not sure. You know there's there's a there's a lot of chances for more interceptions. The Texans defense, they have 38 pass deflections. Yeah. And pass deflections and sacks, those often lead to interceptions. So, you know, I I don't think the Texans are necessarily one of the, the best defenses that uh, the, the Broncos have faced this year or are going to face. Um, they're good defense, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, I'm sorry, but I think uh, Keenum might throw at least one interception this game, given his track record. Well, and it's difficult. You, you said that the pass deflections, that's huge. And, I, and even a couple, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we – 
we'll look at these stat lines. We look at these numbers all day. But if you watch the games, a couple of those interceptions really weren't his fault. A couple of them were just just yeah, terribly exactly. executed plays. And, and, I mean, in the last game against Kansas City, it was on some stupid uh, flea flicker that we decided to run that he, he mm. you know, threw a little bit behind the receiver on a flea flicker. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But but still, I mean, he's at 500 touchdown interception ratio, and he's still in there. And uh, we have to trust him. We have to. We have no other choice but to trust him. And if you look at the rest of the stats, I mean, he has over 2,100 yards this season. Yeah. No, he's doing well. Like, surprisingly, like, above the interceptions, he's still doing well. Um, I think he's he's playing as best as he possibly can. Like, Case Keenum is, you know, he's not a top-10 quarterback. Whoever thought he was is just – you know, I don't know. He's a great he's he's a great game manager. Like in terms of yardage, he's uh, where's he standing right now? In terms of yardage, he's sitting at uh, number twelve. So he's you know he's in the Average, top middle yeah. pack. But he's in there with Deshaun Watson, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, uh, Blake Bortles is in there for some reason. But you know he he's in this sort of like middle ground of quarterbacks, which I think is you know insanely good. Like he's he's better than most of, like half the other quarterbacks in the league, but he's just not as good as the top half necessarily. You know, so I think it's, you know, we can only get so much out of Keenum for people to think that he might be like a, a franchise guy. I don't think so, but he's a quarterback you can win with for sure. Yeah. Interceptions have to come down, but otherwise he's doing a, a great job. Yeah. And, and, and you know, everybody gives Case Keenum a lot of a lot of slack, but like we picked him up and we put him in after having an issue with Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. And I mean, we've had quarterback issues for what, three years now. I mean, since the, the Manning hmm. era. You know, we, we've had quarterback issues, and we brought him in thinking he was going to be the thing after one great season in Minnesota. And, you know, we had talked about this before, too, but after one great season, you can't just expect a guy to come in and, and, and change a franchise from something that's on the downslope to bringing it back up. But um, there, obviously, there's other issues at hand, and uh, and we're working through that. But let's talk about, on, on, a, on a lighter note, let's talk about how amazing these rookies have been playing and what can we expect mm. from some of these i mean we're talking a uh, philip Lindsay is the number six oh, yeah. rusher in the league and he'd probably be more if we rushed the ball more yeah and and he's the only in the top 10 i was looking at the stat day he's number six in the top 10 he's the only undrafted rookie he's the only person he's the only rookie sorry he's the only undrafted player in the top 10 and he's the only person in the top 10 in rushing that wasn't drafted in either the first or the second round. That's amazing. Wow. That is really cool. Yeah. I'm looking at stat line now. He's number seven in yards per attempt. Uh, how many touchdowns does he have? He's got uh, five touchdowns. This uh, three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Okay. That's, that's still pretty good yards per game. Like he, he's, he's doing a great job. Right. He's, he's he, for an undrafted rookie. Wow. Just fantastic. He's uh, my number two running back on my team right now, my fantasy team. So, He's doing really and well, and it's electrifying to see him when he gets the ball too. I mean, he's yeah, he's just he's just so good at reading the pocket and exploding through the pocket. It's amazing. So we have that he's on one watch. side, and now we have we talked about the Demarius Thomas trade. We talked about Cortland Sutton. Now we have Cortland Sutton, who is going to be the number two receiver for the team, which I think is is more electrifying than anything else. We used to use him as kind of like oh, yeah. a you know what once everybody started double teaming Sanders and Thomas, we could throw it to Sutton, but now we get to see Sutton in action. He's going to be the number number two receiver going into this, on top of another rookie again, uh, Tim Patrick. So we have Tim Patrick, mm-hmm. who we've seen make amazing plays at times. So we're going to see some of these guys get more playing time 
And uh, from a from a franchise point of view going forward, and from a fan point of view looking at this last rookie cross, I'm excited to see what they can do against a Houston defense. But can we do it against the Houston defense that is great with two of the greatest pass rushers behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb in the league? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that uh, that it can be done. You know, like uh, this, this, these rookies on the Broncos offense, like I said, they're electrifying. They're so fun to watch. Philip Lindsay is uh, – every time he touches the ball, like, I'm on the edge of my seat. You know, I think something's going to happen. And Sutton, I think he's going to be the number one receiver lot, uh, next year. This year he's still got a lot to learn, but next year he should be the star in, in, in Denver. And I think they can beat this Houston defense. Houston's got good players in J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney, but outside of that, it's, it's nothing necessarily that's going to be, you know – uh, just like jaw dropping, they're a middle of the run team, which is fine. Like it's, again, they're better than half the teams in the league, but I don't think that they're uh, they're invincible in any sense. And I think their winning streak is going to end very soon. And I hope it's going to be this weekend. Right. And and, and so do uh, so does the entire coaching staff for the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I'm I'm looking at the stat. I'm looking at the stat line for just this team stats over the past uh, this past year and. Um, the Houston Texans, we talked about at the beginning, uh, have gone overlooked a little bit over the year. You know, they're on a five-game winning streak, but their defense is just as strong as it has been in the past years. You know, you have a healthy J.J. Watt, a healthy uh, J.V. and Clowney. Mm-hmm. Um, they're only letting up 95 yards per game rushing, uh, and they're only letting up uh, only, I say only, but they're letting up 239, 240 yards passing per game. Does that change the call for the Broncos to continue running the ball and making sure that we can get the ball into our playmakers, even if they start stopping us towards the beginning, we can't. Do we do we move to the pass, knowing that that's not our strong suit, or, or can we try to stick to staying on the ground, knowing that they're number seventh overall, only letting them ninety five yards per game? I, I don't know. I think you kind of play the hot hand at that point. That's a really tough call to make because with Jadavian Clowney and JJ Watt, those two alone can stop uh, you know a lot of running plays. Plus, they have DJ Reader. He's very good nose tackle. Whitney Merciless. He was great last year. Uh, so there's a lot of talent here, but <clears throat> you play the hot hand, you see what you're able to do. Sometimes you can use the pass to back off the defense a little bit to then run, but then the the, the cost of that is you, you run into J.J. Watt and Davian Clowney, right, which right. is something hard to get around. But if you can catch them both playing on the same side, you run away from them. If you catch them playing on two edges, you run in between them. You know, you can use a lot of speed against power, right? So you can run right at them and try to – just maneuver around them too, which Philip Lindsay is, is a running back able to do that. Yep. The issue is Jadavian Clowney and JJ Watt. I don't think either one of them are human. Um, <laughs> I think they're sent from a distant planet just to come mess with us for a little bit. And then they'll retire and we'll never hear of them because they'll go back home. That's what I think. <laughs> so, it, I, you know, it's hard to play against these aliens, but uh, it's possible. It's very possible. I just, you know, I just don't think that uh, this Houston defense is, you know, like the Ravens' defenses here. I think they, they are beatable. I really do. Yeah. And, and it, having a rookie running back or having a running back like Philip Lindsay who can hit the hole as fast as he can out of the uh, off the snap is, is good when you're playing against these power guys unless they disrupt the the flow of, of where the hole is going to be. That's the only thing that we need to worry about. Being able to hit the hole is really coming down to our, is their defense playing good gap run defense. And obviously their defense is doing pretty well, but are they going to be able to play good gap run defense because they haven't had a running back. They haven't played a running back like Philip Lindsay who can get off the mm-hmm. ball as fast and, and get downfield. I mean, he's three yards downfield before he's getting touched in the last three games. 
So yeah, that's something that Houston's going to have to look out for. Is power going to be able to do that? And the only thing, the only way that that's going to be able to do that is if they can outpower and and just get our offensive line in, in a position that they're not supposed to be. And uh, and I, I think they have the ability to do it, but I also think our offensive line has the advantage of of uh, a knowing yeah. where the play's going and, and having a running back like Philip Lindsay who can hit it that fast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And not not to to go off topic here, but I just want to point something else out because um, I'm talking about this Houston defense. And, and how I think they're beatable, even given their record. If, if we just look at, um, at the teams they've played, right, they lost early in the year. They lost to the Patriots, uh, they lost to the Titans, and they lost to the Giants. Right. Those are the first three games. And after that, they beat the Colts, the Cowboys, the Bills, the Jaguars, and the Dolphins. Out of any of these teams, the Patriots are the only ones that are really making like a, a playoff scare. Right. They're the only ones being the Patriots. Giants are not good this year titans are struggling this year trying to find their identity colts still trying to rebuild cowboys have been so up and down it's hard to tell the bills bills are the new dumpster fire of the league the jaguars have been going downhill and the dolphins are playing with brock osweiler and we don't need to talk about brock osweiler (laughs) so you know like the wins aren't necessarily impressive and we look at the broncos schedule the broncos lost to the chiefs twice the chiefs have one of the top teams in the league they lost to the rams top team in the league they crushed the cardinals they had a bad game against the jets let's be honest that was just a, an a atrocious game, one yeah. uh, beat the raiders beat the seahawks seahawks are getting you know a bit better so if you look at the strength of the schedule this five and three record that the texans have isn't all that impressive right. the three and four records that the broncos have is disappointing but at the same time it's it's not as sad considering the loss to the Chiefs and the Rams. Those are three of the losses, and those are you know the two best teams in the league. Absolutely. So it's like, you know, I think the Broncos are a much better team than their record, and I think the Texans are just get you know they're they're winning easy games and games at which they can compete in. And so I think that the Broncos really, given their experience this year, they have a, a bigger advantage, you know, and and they're gonna they're come and bring it to the Texans. This might break their winning streak. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that because, you know, Denver has had, if, you, if you're just looking, taking a step back and not being a Broncos fan during this moment, they've had a very, very tough schedule. I mean, and both Kansas City games were, were decently close, close enough to the to one one little minuscule, minuscule thing could have changed the whole thing. So Absolutely. Same with the Rams game, 23 to 20. Yeah. You know, the only game that really slipped out of hand was the uh, the Jets game. Like the Ravens game, they lost 27-14, but that's week three. Week three, a lot of things happen. The Ravens are a really good team. You know what I mean? These This is another playoff caliber team. So we look at the schedule and it's, yeah, you know, the Broncos, I'm sorry, aren't in the top five teams this year. You know, I'd love to be there. But at the same time, we're not as bad as the record shows. No. No, not at all. And, um, you know, as much as I'm trying to stay off the social media, that's that's kind of where we where we thrive on the podcast world. But um, <laughs> trying to trying to see the comments from the, from the fans, and it's a tough world out there, man. And even in something I'm going to bring oh, yeah. up, I know this is changing subject. It's not so much on the on the subject of the pregame, but um, I follow a lot of people on Twitter now that I have one. Um, of course, pull, yeah. pull it up every once in a while. And one of the people I follow is uh, Natalie Bowles, who is um, Garrett Bowles' wife, because she's on social media a lot. She's always posting stuff about mm-hmm. the team. It's kind of cool to follow her. Uh, anyway, she she posted and she commented on someone's someone talking about you know how tough it is for athletes on social media and how much mm-hmm. how bad some fans can be. And she's feeling like the Broncos oh, fans yeah. are being some of the worst and crudest and meanest fans. And I get it. 
Garrett Bowles has had a hold in at least one one hold in every game, and, and, and it's rough and it sucks to watch, but he is only in his second year, and he's still, and when he's not holding, is still holding up his end of the deal. He's blocking pretty well for the he's most doing part. He's a great job. And, oh, yeah. uh, some, and something, and in, in, as an offensive lineman, you could probably uh, – uh, vouch for this. I, I listened to Joe Thomas, and something that Joe Thomas once said was, "Offensive line is the most underappreciated job because you can go an entire game and mess up once, and mm-hmm. everybody will want want your neck." On a defensive lineman, oh, yeah. if you're a defensive lineman, you can go through an entire game not doing anything but once, and everyone will praise you as a hero. Absolutely, you get one sack behind the yard, you get, you get one tackle for loss, like. That in itself is enough to, to to say you've had a great game. Offensive yeah. lineman, you make one holding call, it's like mm, your job's in danger. Right. Yeah, it's a very uh, it's a double standard. Absolutely. Yeah. So so that's <clears throat> I, I do want to mention that too because this I guess this all leads into this offensive line. You you can't have a run game without an offensive line, and I I, I want to point out. And usually it's you pointing out the offensive line stuff, by the way. So I'm taking your job here from you. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> by all means. Um, you, you can't have a run game without an offensive line. And even without Jared Valdir and Ronald Leary, who are two top offensive linemen, hands down, there's there's no question about that other than our center. Uh, two top offensive linemen. We're actually still running the ball pretty well. And we're mm-hmm. still top run offenses in the league and, and, and getting downfield and not getting touched for three yards. So... We got to stop being so hard on these guys. Like honestly, oh yeah, as fans, they need to stop. <clears throat> we need to stop just like getting like calling for people's heads after they make one mistake, and it it it's bad. It's getting to a point where it's getting ridiculous. I mean, yeah, and like the Broncos have just had a rough schedule. You know, it's been a rough year playing the Chiefs twice in a month and the Rams in there too. Like that's enough to make any coach lose their mind or be on the hot seat. Seriously. Like, that's a difficult schedule to go through. And look at the Texans. They, they're just kind of blowing by these teams who, you know, the Dolphins are, I don't think they're for real. No. They're not necessarily playing, you know, the, the best football. They're not that intimidating. They're playing better than I thought they would, but it's nothing to, well, you know, for me to lose my Brock mind. Brock Osweiler's their quarterback, it, so. Yeah, Brock <laughs> Osweiler's, you know, Brock Osweiler and Tannehill's Tannehill and Adam Gase is, you know, just an eight and eight head coach like a yeah. lot of people. But I just think that you know the Broncos have had a very rough schedule and it's put them to the test, and they're much better than they uh, they look on paper. Garrett Bowles is still a young guy, and guess what? These players are very hard to block. Like there's a holding call on every single play in the NFL. They Absolutely. just don't call all of them. You know, it just so happens that from once in a while, you know, there's a holding call that's you know a little bit too blatant, and then they get called back. But the issue with the Texans, where I think the biggest strength of this defense is, is on that defensive line. So, <clears throat> regardless of what Bulls has done, he's gonna have to <laughs> he's gonna have to play really hard this week because he's either gonna be against J.J. Watt, against Mer- Whitney Merciless, against Jadavian Clowney, uh, this a- Angelo Blackson as well. Like you know, there, there's a lo- DJ Reader. He won't have to touch. He'll be in the middle. But there's a lot of good players on this defense, like that merit double double blocks. Like uh, Jadavian Clowney and JJ Watt alone should take up four offensive linemen. Yeah, you know, and then you have everybody else that has to come around and uh, and help and block every you know the other players. So th- that's where the strength of the defense is for the Texans. But there's a lot of ways to to work around that. So it's not like you know this is a you know a, like a dead game or anything like that. You know, there, there's a lot of possibility. But if they slide protect, if they motion, if they do a lot of play actions, they bring the backs and the tight ends to chip. Like there's ways to get around this aggressive D line, but yeah. it's going to be a real challenge. There's uh, you know a, a future Hall of Famer in JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney. If he keeps having a great career, he's another uh, guy who could end up in the Hall of Fame too. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and you bring up a good point, and something that, again, on the offensive line I want to mention is when you're playing teams like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Rams, who have an amazing defensive line, have been lighting up the league, you, you get used to playing against this top talent. And then when you go and play teams like Arizona, no wonder we demolished Arizona because their defensive line is demolished in Arizona. No wonder. I mean, you're going against these guys week in, week out, not just in practice. I mean, obviously, you're going to Bradley Chubb and Von Miller in practice, but then you go out and go up against like Aaron Donalds of the world, you know, Mm -hmm. and Dominican Sues. And now you're going against another Houston Texan defense line that's just, and it's not going to stop because San Diego, sorry, sorry, the LA Chargers also (laughs) also have a very, very tough defensive line so it doesn't really stop so uh, you know when we play against those teams that don't yeah we're going to get those yards I think and that's where we need to take advantage of it but for now it's another tough schedule and it's another tough team but I don't think that our def- our offensive line is nearly what they were a couple years ago I think they can really stand up to it and I think that we're going to have a great game and we're going to run against, run well against them and yeah. again if we don't Absolutely. if we don't run well and you mentioned it too if we don't run well and they start getting over aggressive, it's easy to run some screens or some play actions or some, you know, some motioning, uh, some plays, uh, as long as, yeah. as long as that's what they're focused on. Uh, absolutely, and it needs to. It can't be an offense too that's just going to bounce around and panic at the first sign of, of slowing down or or whatever it is. But there's ways to get around this defensive line, and I think the Broncos have the weapons and they have a lot of youth as well. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a real possibility to to, to have a, a resurgence in this offense this game. Yeah. So so before we go in this game, I want to talk about some injury reports. So I know Royce Freeman is probably going to be out. He, he said he practiced a little bit. He's questionable. He practiced a little bit today, Thursday, but it, it looks like he's probably heading out. Jared Valdir might be coming back. Also, something questionable. Von Miller is questionable. He was limited in practice. Uh, I haven't seen an update for today whether or not he practiced on Thursday. What is the impact of Von Miller not being able to play? And this is more hypothetical. I still think he's going to play. What would be the impact, do you think, of him not even being able to play? I think the the offensive line for the Texans will be able to have a bit more confidence in the game. I think they'll, you know, they'll relax a bit more. Von Miller can't play. But I don't think that it makes the Broncos' defense uh, that much weaker, given that Bradley Chubb is still there, and Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray, and there's still good pass rushers available against this, you know, very poor uh, Houston offensive line. So it's it's going to be a big loss, unfortunately. But I don't think it's going to be the end of the world at all. Yep. Uh, and then the big one that I want to mention, uh, we have another couple questionables that I'm pretty sure they're going to play. The big one I want to mention is Suwa Cravens has been rumored to be coming off of the IR onto the active roster this week. It hasn't happened yet. Kind of expecting it to probably Friday. Uh, he's still been at practice. He's still been there. What is Suwa Cravens as a safety, as a, as, a, as a second season safety, bring to this Denver defense that we've been missing? That's a good question. Suwa Cravens is a player that I I liked in, uh, in Washington. I thought he was, you know, promising and, and he's got a good body 6'1 224 like you know he, he's got a lot uh, a lot to go on then with the injuries that's an injury is always rough to come back from uh, but you know I think he brings a little bit of swagger I think he brings a lot of intelligence and, and, and he brings um, energy as well and I think he's very versatile too he's not a player that can only play in the in, in the you know the back third of the field he, he can get in the box and make some tackles so he brings some versatility to the defense 
Um, and, he, you know, he brings a new perspective. He brings a new name to the jerseys and, and he brings just energy. You know, I think that's that's really valuable to this team. So at Cravens, I thought it would be a, a great addition to the Broncos. And with the injuries, it's been tough, but yeah. it, it can only bring uh, something good. Right. And and obviously, Darian Stewart's been playing decently well at the safety position. But I think Sua Cravens yeah. just brings that that physical like ceiling. that physical mentality that I think we've been missing on the defense and and hopefully he can he can bring that excitement to another level. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just a, a new perspective and and you know a fresh set of legs that can help in the rotation too is always great for a defense because it keeps everybody fresher. So his presence actually helps Stewart. You know, it, right. it makes him better as a player because he'll be able to rest a bit more and, and they'll have a good rotation going. So I think it's it's only good things. If he can come back, you know, as fast as possible, you know, we can only stand to benefit from this. I agree. All right, so that's enough for the that's it for the injury report. Let's go ahead and head into our predictions. Uh, if you guys have been following us, I hope you have. I thank you for it. Uh, we we've been doing the Orange Weekly staff has been giving us their predictions for the week, and we've been been running through their predictions. So before we get into their predictions, let's talk about ours. Uh, I'll let you go first because I don't think you've been wrong on a prediction as far as who's going to win it yet, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, sorry, you were wrong in the Jets game, but nobody saw that coming. I was. Well, everybody was wrong in the Jets game. Let's let's hear what you got. Please please pick the Broncos. Please pick the Broncos. Pick the Broncos. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? This week, uh, I do pick the Broncos. I think that they're a lot better than everybody thinks. I think the Broncos are better than the Broncos think as well. Um, and I, I just think that they're going to bring it to the Texans. They have the home field advantage. And I think they win this game. I think it'll be an exciting game to watch because the Broncos, uh, sorry, the, the Texans are a, a very electrifying team and they've been on a winning streak, so they, they are good. Uh, but I do think the Broncos win. And I think the Broncos come out and they win it. Uh, a score that's been very common this year, but I think they win it 27 to 21. 27 to 21. Okay, so yeah. I'm going to go with the Broncos as well. I think it's going to be a close game, and, and the reason I say this is because Denver either plays up or down to their competition, no matter who we're playing. For whatever reason, we love to make it a close game. We just can't finish in most of them. Houston as well, I was looking through their past five games. They won all of them except for one game has been down to the wire, or, I mean, two of them were overtime games. So yeah. I think this is going to come down to the wire. It's going to come down to a last-minute drive. Hopefully Cortland Sutton can get that big touchdown and be like, yep, I deserve this spot, and uh, and finish it out. That's my prediction. I think we're going to win 23-17. to 17. Okay. All right. I like it. Okay, yeah, so with that being said, uh, we're going to go ahead and bring it to the rest of the Orange Weekly staff, and they're going to give your predict- their predictions in just a minute. Hey guys, Kev Dan here, and I know we have a lot of Bronco shows, but I just want to really quickly plug our brand new show, The Tailgate Talk, uh, where we go live about an hour and a half before game time, so you can uh, all the people listening uh, can tune in uh, and voice your opinion, even call in like you would on a radio show, and voice your opinion on uh, keys to victory for the Broncos game. With that being said, you know it is, it's going to be a weird game with Demarius Thomas still playing in Denver in Mile High, but not wearing the blue and orange colors. So I don't expect Demarius Thomas to be too active this game. He'll be probably out there a little bit, but he is learning learning a new system. I think they're going to you know really rely on Hopkins to make some big plays. But I, I'm hoping that uh, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb can go out there, make some uh, big sacks, get some big stops on our defense side of the ball, uh, and our offense can. Uh, 
play smart is uh, something that I know is coming uh, becoming unrealistic. But with that being said, I'm still going to hope for it. So I'm going to say Broncos are going to win, not by much, uh, 17-10 Broncos, and we go into our bye week uh, four and five. So thanks, guys, uh, for letting me tune in, and uh, there you go. Take care. Go Broncos. Hey, everyone. This is Jason from Orange Weekly After Dark. Uh, looking forward to another good matchup, hopefully, uh, for the Broncos, at least uh, hanging in there competitively. Uh, Texans are rolling right now. It's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be even tougher to see Demarius Thomas on the other sideline wearing a different uniform. Uh, I expect him to have an unreal game uh, with already a hot Texans team uh, that's cruising right now. It's going to be tough for us. Uh, it's one of those games where... I'd like to be wrong, but unfortunately, I don't see this going the Broncos' way. Uh, I see this as an outcome of uh, Texans 30, Broncos 14. Hey, Broncos country, we've got another division leader coming into Mile High this week. Going to be another tough game. It's a winnable game for us, but I don't know. The way we're playing right now, I'm just not sure that we're going to be able to pull this one out. Um, I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm going to call it 23-14 to 14 Texans. As always, go Broncos. All right, well, thank you, Orange Weekly staff. Uh, We appreciate your insight each and every week. And if you guys are not already following them on Facebook, go ahead and go to the Denver Broncos Orange Weekly Facebook page. We have plenty of live shows. At this point, we have something coming out every day. And uh, we have, you know, our different sponsors in Phantom. And um, we do do a lot of different shows for you guys. And and hopefully you guys are enjoying those. And if not, go ahead and go and follow those as as well as go ahead and hit that subscribe button on our podcast. We appreciate you guys listening each and every week, and uh, hopefully you guys don't get tired of us. Um, with that being said, is, is there anything else you want to say about this, either this Houston game, uh, the Broncos in general going forward, or or anything else you want to say, Matt? No, you know, I think the Broncos are, are in line to win this game. It'd be great to see them go back to 4-4 four and four and then just get back on the winning, uh, on the winning track here. I, th- I would love to see that, and I think a lot of Broncos fans would love to see it too. I agree. It's definitely something I'd like to see. And with my parting words, I can always say as bad of a season as Broncos are having, at least we're not the Oakland Raiders this season getting stomped by San Francisco 49ers tonight on Thursday. With a third string quarterback with playing a for San Francisco. Third string quarterback. You know what? They're going to get the number one overall pick, so I guess we're going to be jealous at that point. But until then, I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> I know, and, and watch 15 for 20, 260 yards, and three touchdowns for Nick Mullins. Oh. So I applaud Mr. Mullins, and uh, good job for stopping these porous Raiders. I hope uh, John Gruden is, is relishing in his $100 million contract. Oh, he's, he's swimming in it right now at this point. He's oh, going home yeah. without a, I mean, without I would a frown too. on his face. I, I wouldn't either. You know, tenure to $100 million, I'd coach the Raiders. Yeah, sure. right. Oof. Give it to me. I'd get rid of Kyle. Yeah. Khalil Mack for $100 million? Sure, I'll get rid of him. <laughs> Pay me. Marquette King, Khalil Mack, I'll get rid of all of them. I don't care who you are. Yeah, like who, who needs these guys? I have $100 million. I have everything I could ever want. Oh, man. All right, well, thanks again, Matt, is for everything. And uh, thanks, listeners, for, for listening in. Uh, as always, we're going to go ahead and bring it out with the Mad Fanatic. Go Broncos. Orange, man.